Okay, we just finished recording the episode. Julie is doing the edits as I record this, but we realized after we finished that in the scene where Chris and Scott are at the diner and they're talking about her birthday dinner, we completely glazed over the line when Scott says, Mindy Weiss is probably going to be there because I guess we were just so caught up in the emotions of the scene. (laughs) So just let it be known that line was absolutely not lost on us. Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just <laughs> gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wear. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I'm a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our episode five recap. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. This show is so good, Julie. Every single week I finish the episode and I feel so fulfilled. It's not even fulfilled. I genuinely feel like every single week my expectations are exceeded. These are the conversations that we hypothesized about for months when we knew they were filming. And I feel like the way the information is being delivered is far more transparent than we had even hoped for. I feel like very respected as a viewer and a fan. Like, I feel like they finally figured out exactly what we wanted to hear and how we wanted that information delivered to us. It's interesting because I saw some feedback online this week where people were saying they felt like this particular episode was slightly reminiscent of keeping up in the sense of having not scripted conversations, but some of the conversations set up for purposes of filming. And I guess my response to that is, yes, I do think some of the conversations happened only because they were filming, but the information was still just as juicy as I wanted it to be. So yeah, maybe Courtney and Kim wouldn't have been sitting on her bed in full glam in that way, but the meat of the conversation was so interesting that I don't care if they were only sitting down because the cameras were there. Right. That's all I care about. Like I understand there are going to be certain scenes that are a little bit more forced in terms of having people together, but as long as those conversations are authentic and we're getting the information that we wanted... I'll take it a million times over. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. No, not in the slightest. And I have to tell you that doing these recaps for this show, I think is 
the most excited and most enthusiastic I've ever been doing any Kardashian recap from any of the seasons of Keeping Up we've ever done. It just feels like sensory overload. Like even when I'm watching the episodes and I'm so hyper-focused on making the outlines, at the exact same time that I'm writing down verbatim what everyone's saying, I'm also in my head being like, do not forget the point you want to make about this. Like every single thing that's said sparks an idea in my head of like, don't forget to tell Emma this. Don't forget to say this on the podcast. And it's like, if again, I know we say this every single week, but if allowed, I could let this podcast go four hours. Easy. Julie, just the one moment of Scott and Kim at Chris's birthday when they're talking about Pete, are you kidding me that we're getting that? Because that to me is the most authentic. Like that is a 15 person gathering where Kim is standing around Ellen DeGeneres, Portia de Rossi and Scott, and they're talking about Pete and the way that he's perceived by the public. And Scott's getting mad at Kim for missing his FaceTime and she's saying she was busy and we know she was busy because she was in bed with Pete. Like, do you guys realize what we're getting here? This is the shit that we dreamed of. If you care about this stuff, this is the exact content that we have waited for. And honestly, I feel like we fucking deserve it. I feel that way too. Like, I feel like we have been so committed. We've been there since day one and it's paying off. And by the way, that's not to say that keeping up with the Kardashians didn't pay off a lot of times. Like, I think that we forget some of those really amazing moments that we had. It's just that this feels so different. Like every single time we spoke about it and they said like, no, this show is different. And we're like, okay, but how, like, how is it possible that it's different? Because like, that's what the last format was like. Every single week, I'm just like, I fucking get it. You guys were so right. This is different. Totally. And I do think it's the kind of thing where you can never fully understand the differences, even if they explained it to you until you were actually watching the two side by side. Because watching this, I understand what they meant, first of all. And second of all, I'm glad that you said that because I wanted to make this point, which is the only thing that it's missing, and I know they can't do this, obviously, because this is a Hulu show and they can't pull content from the e-show, but there are so many moments when they're talking here and you just know how perfect a flashback from season one, season two would be here, like specifically when Kendall and Scott are talking and not being able to have that. I'm not going to say it's lacking because I don't feel it's lacking, but I do think it would be a major enhancement. It would absolutely be additive to be able to have it, even though I can think in my head of the exact scene that it would pan to. Like, it's so funny to want something, desire it to be in the show, but also at the same time, like, not necessarily need it in aiding and understanding what they're talking about. <laughs> what can I tell you, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I don't want it for me. Like I have a highlight reel in my head. You tell me a season and I will have that movie playing. It's like, I want it for the people that are really into this, but maybe haven't been in since day one. It's like, I want you guys to have that on tap because I know that it will enhance your experience. It's like, it's honestly a very selfless desire. I completely agree. <laughs> okay. So as you guys know, we're still trying to figure out the best way to do these because they're so different than the last one. And keeping up, we do scene by scene. We're kind of doing it by plot. Just bear with us because I don't really know. We have, what is this? I think a 12 page outline. So we're going to get through it. And there's a lot of Scott stuff here, which we will get into, but I think the first topic we're going to hit is Kim. So the bar, the Kanye stuff, because there's a lot there. And I think that it's a good ease in. It's so funny that like the title of this episode is who is Kim K and that this entire discussion that Kim has is who is Kim K because honestly, there's no one I know better. <laughs> I know. It's like, are you asking us? Because I can write you a 15 page essay with the full APA format bibliography. So like 
we're here. APA instead of MLA, you were going for the big leagues on this one. That's when you fucking know. I wanted to say to her, I gave my final college presentation, my public speaking class on you. Like we truly are here for any resource that you need because I feel like we do a thesis on her every single week. Absolutely we do. Okay, so a lot going on here. It's her birthday. She's studying for the baby bar. She's taking the baby bar. And then we also have her entire journey of self-discovery in the post-Kanye era. And to be honest with you, I want to start out, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I really do want to start out with her conversation with Courtney. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I would love to. Well, I want to get right into the SNL stuff because we find out last week when she's on the walk with Chloe that Kanye walked out mid-monologue. And now we're kind of seeing the aftermath of that. And she's talking to Courtney about how Kanye was on Drink Champs saying that SNL made her say the I divorced him line. And she's saying like, I sent him the monologue. He knew that it was mine. He's saying that he never read the text. And just to be able to understand the logistics there, that to me, before even getting into her emotional reaction to any of it, like that is so important. That is the foundational stuff that we were lacking in terms of trying to wrap our heads around this while it was happening. There was a very clear switch in information given and exchanged once this Drink Champs interview came out because once Kanye started speaking about Kim publicly in this way, it was almost like all bets are off. And obviously the way that Kim speaks about Kanye is still incredibly respectful and is still probably like the bare minimum of what could be said. But even the fact that we got this information, even the fact that she's willing to talk about Kanye on the show in a way that she never was before, I feel like almost it was the Drink Champs interview where it's like, okay, all bets are off here. Right, and all bets are off but still whatever that means in Kim's world. Because to your average person, all bets are off or like fucking let's go for it. Whereas for Kim, that still is wildly respectful, just a little bit more transparent. Right. For Kim, all bets are off means she's able to share her truth in this. Right. Exactly. And honestly, when she says in her confessional, and I'm going to read this line verbatim, I'm always super protective of Kanye and not sharing a lot of the negative things that have happened just because he's not here doing the show. Also, if I do something on a reality show, then it's like, how dare she talk about it? But then he can do a song and that's so creative and expressive. And you know, it's always two different sides are being expressed two different ways and one is respected and one is not. I'm sorry. I think that's an excellent point. And I think honestly, not to disrespect Kanye's creative expression, because regardless of my personal feelings about him, I can recognize what he has given to the art, music, fashion world. But that's very, very true. Somehow, because it's under the umbrella of creative expression, I absolutely agree with her that it's treated with a different level, not only of respect, but also of tolerance. Well, I also think there was that switch with Kanye as well, where when he was talking about in his music, it was one thing. But then when he started giving interviews and posting on social media, there was not everybody, but there was a lot of public opinion on him that started to turn at that point. So it was almost like that double standard also existed with Kanye himself. Right. And one other thing about that line, which is separate and apart from anything Kanye related, is what she's referencing here is exactly the concept we sometimes talk about, which is no matter how successful and well-respected and famous Kim is or has become, there is always this underlying thing, which I don't think we really feel as such big fans of hers, but that she does feel and that I do think a lot of the world feels, which is her association to being a reality star. And like, I don't think you or me look at that as a negative, but you can hear that she still feels like her form of expression is viewed 
slightly more cheaply. Like I still think she very much, I don't want to say is insecure about that identity because she's not. I mean, they have the most successful reality show maybe in the world and she's on top of the world. Like I think that insecurity has kind of gone away, but I definitely think it's something that she's aware of. And to be honest with you, I'm not as aware of it because I so don't view it that way. I think she is so hyper aware of the way that the world perceives her. And it's that exact thing that I think Chris and Chloe were talking about where Chris was saying to Chloe, like, I don't know if that insecurity will ever go away. It, It's like, it's something she is so hyper aware of. It almost reminds me of in like the first or second episode when Chris and Chloe were having that conversation and Chris was saying to her, like, when we first started filming Keeping Up with the Kardashians, she was like, we would get so many messages about how inspiring you guys were and how people looked up to you and how they loved the show and they couldn't get enough of you. And she said to Chloe, but you would get one comment that was calling you ugly or fat. And it was like, you would harp on it. You couldn't even pay attention to the rest of it. And I feel like that's almost Kim and the reality star thing where it's like, you can have every fashion magazine cover. You could be cover of Vogue three different times. You could be the star of the Met Gala. But somehow in the back of your mind, when somebody calls you a reality star and says that's all you ever are, that's always going to sting in a very different and specific way. And this is the second time actually in the episode where that theme kind of comes up because she's talking about taking the bar and the producer asks her, why is it so important for you to do this if it's such a grueling process? And she says, you know, it started out as I just wanted to know more. Like I wanted to be more prepared when I went into a meeting or when I was helping people. She was like, but of course there's that element of like, I have to prove it to myself. Like I have to prove to myself that I'm more than just this reality star. I know. And it's funny because I do think that there's a very large part of them. And I honestly would say the overwhelming part of them, which is really proud of that because 20 seasons plus a whole new streaming deal with Hulu for however many hundreds of millions of dollars is no small feat. You know, like that is before anything else was their primary job. So I don't think it's that they're embarrassed of it. I just think they are very aware of that perception. And I don't think the awareness of that perception will ever fully go away. And to be honest with you, I don't think it maybe ever should. There's a part of me that actually thinks there's something about that that's strangely grounding. Well, it was like when we were all watching Mario in the SNL episode crying about how far Kim has come. And it's those little reminders, right? Where it's like you look at Kim and you don't think that there's anything that could ground you to her journey. It's like we've come so long. It's been so long. You are here. Like you are a permanent fixture in pop culture forever. And then you do have those moments where you're reminded of like, how crazy it is that this happened and what a fluke it is that this was able to take place and that her career was able to get to this point because it shouldn't have. And so I so agree. It's not that they should forget about the reality star aspect or that she shouldn't be sensitive to it because it is undoubtedly a part of who she is. And there are certain people that are always going to view her a certain way. She'll never be able to change their minds. It's almost like the thing that keeps her going. You know, it like almost allows her to keep wanting right. to level up because she can't forget about it. Like she keeps wanting to prove herself even though she doesn't have anything left to prove. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, in some ways, the thing that was potentially the biggest insecurity is actually honestly one of her superpowers. It's almost like the thing that powers her. And <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool. Totally. So- Hold on, to get back to the Kanye situation, Julie, I feel it. I feel the tangent energy starting because that was not on the outline, any of what we just discussed there. 
Listen, it's always going to happen. Can I talk about one thing that happened in this scene? Yeah, of course. So before they even get into the conversation about Kanye, Courtney asked her how the bar was. This was after she took the bar, okay? The bar, according to what we found in the research, I'm not 100% sure if it's correct, but it seems to be it was October 26th. Kim's birthday was October 21st. So this is sometime after October 26th. Courtney is sitting on the bed with Kim and... Courtney is saying, you know, every time I talk to Travis or get into like an argument with him or something, he says, you should have gone to law school or you should have been an attorney. And she said, I was going to be. And they have this conversation between Courtney and Kim where Courtney's like, you know, I was thinking about it and I feel like everything I do, you're on like a little bit of a delay of. And Kim's like, what do you mean? Because we have the same taste in guys now. And that was the first Pete mention. Yeah. Wait, don't think that I was ever going to glance over that. I was just going straight to Connie, but I'm so glad we're starting on a a slightly more positive note. That was the acknowledgement that we have been waiting for. Like the way that I felt when she said that was not so dissimilar to how I felt when she posted the first Instagram of them at the Ritz. And there was something so innocent about the comment where Kim was laughing as she said it where it was so, I I can't explain it, but I know that if you watched it and you picked up on it, you obviously know what I mean. But oh my God, what a thrill it was to hear Kim have that first acknowledgement. But Julie, those are the exact types of moments that make me think that Kim is in her bed at night, scrolling through her Instagram Explore page, laughing about the memes that are comparing her and Pete to Courtney and Travis to MGK and Machine Gun Kelly with the caption of like, same energy, different font. Well, it's funny because we do know that she has a Finsta. Right. And it's not like she mentioned any sort of memes here, but even just her saying that to Courtney, to me, is like a subtle nod that she gets the discourse. She understands that that's a very legitimate conversation that's happening. Yes. Okay. Should we go back to Connie for a second? Yeah. Sorry for the interruption. I just like couldn't exist another minute without talking about that. No, never apologize. I'm like already so much happier. That just gave me a direct serotonin boost. Okay, good. Because same. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So when they're talking about the Kanye stuff and she's explaining how she really went to him for so many things and she feels slightly lost without him there, specifically when it comes to fashion. And to be totally honest with you, obviously we all knew how heavily Kanye influenced her style and how he basically came in, threw away all her shit and revamped her entire wardrobe. And we knew it was down to the point where it almost felt kind of controlling. Like no part of me was unaware of the fact that he pretty much styled every single one of her looks for the entirety of their relationship and even after the fact. The one thing that I do think I was not that aware of was how much in that process she lost her sense of self. Like I thought it was much more of a combined effort than it clearly was. And I also thought that even if he was taking the reins, she still felt like there was a certain part of her that was maybe more in control of that even internally. And this was a little bit of a wake-up call to me. And I have to assume that throughout their relationship, I think that if you were to ask him, she would have said that it was more of a collaborative effort and that she had a piece in it. And it's only now that she's really realizing it. I don't know how true that would have been at the time, but I think that's how she would have viewed the situation. The thing about it that was so fascinating to me to hear her talk about is that I felt like it was a really incredibly honest thing to say. As the viewer, as the fan of Kim, we associate her so heavily with fashion and she knows that. That's something that she's worked so hard in her career to achieve. The cover of Vogue, cover of so many different fashion magazines, like 
skims in it of itself. Like the association of Kim and fashion is so prevalent in our minds. So for her to come on and say, I feel really lost in the fashion world without Kanye. I feel really lost in terms of my own personal style without him. That was like, for me at least, I was like, oh, wow. Like I did, I did not expect it to be to that extent because even if you did feel that way, I would have thought that you would have almost gone into overdrive to prove that you had had this in you all along. And so for her to come out and be like, so much of it was wrapped in Kanye to the point where I don't feel like I know my own personal sense of fashion. I was shocked by the honesty there. And that's what I appreciated so much. And then on top of that, when she goes in to say how, you know, she goes to the Wall Street Journal event and it's her first time wearing something that hasn't been, quote, pre-vetted, even to use that word, by the way, very interesting choice of language. You know, like the term vetted implies a serious, in my opinion, like power imbalance almost, but we'll get over there in a second. And then when she says he called her after and said that her career's over and sent her a picture of Marge Simpson wearing something similar, it's like, I'm really happy that she was talking about this and acknowledging the absurdity of it because if not, if she allowed herself to internalize it, it could have led her down a, a slightly dangerous path of really questioning her own like self-worth, which I know sounds crazy to us because to you and I, like Kim is the ultimate, but for her to say it to Courtney, like she got that this was not cool anymore and she had to do something about it. And that's where I was really glad that she reeled it in. She says and acknowledges that clothes were Kanye's love language. Like she still views that entire process in a very positive way. But she also says, but that's really all we had left in our relationship towards the end. Right. And then to go back to a few episodes ago, I think it was when she was sitting with Courtney and Chloe at Lucky's Malibu. And she's saying how she got into a fight that morning with Kanye and the stylist because she's like, I will be a robot. Like you line up the clothes and I will walk out of the house wearing them, but he didn't have them there in time. And we were one talking about how we've never heard her describe it like that. But second of all, I think it was this episode and we were just like speculating about how was the fashion in both of their minds, the final bonding thing. And she basically said it here. The exact thing that we were talking about is what she said here, that for both of them, but I would say specifically for him, he knew how real that connection was because he was very aware of how much she relied on him in that way. So like, listen, she was in it, not me. I don't mean to take away the positive feelings she has towards it, but I view it as far more controlling than she clearly does. Yeah. I mean, I do too. There was a point even when she was talking about it where it almost seemed like if she fully acknowledged it, like it was almost easier for her to acknowledge the loss of sense of self than it would have been to acknowledge how controlling that aspect of her life actually became to the point where like, and that's actually what I was thinking about when I was watching the episode. Cause I was thinking, and I'm not saying that Kanye was abusive to her. I'm not using those words, but there was a clear power dynamic in terms of the way that she dressed. And it was one of those things where it was like, when you're in a relationship like that and you give them, give them, give them, and then you take that away and they lose their entire sense of self, whatever it may be, clothes, financial security, so many different things for so many different relationships. But when Kim was talking about it, that's entirely how it felt to me. That's how it felt to me too. But it was interesting to hear her discuss it honestly, yet also clearly through her lens. And by the way, not for nothing, I was at that Wall Street Journal Innovator Awards dinner. I saw her in person. She was 10 feet away from me. And Marge Simpson is fucking shaking. Like, 
he is so full of shit. She walked in. She was the most gorgeous person I have ever seen in my entire life. That was the first time I saw her in real life. And I felt personally offended hearing him say that. And you have that next scene with Scott in Kim's closet where Kim is getting dressed and talking about all the looks that she has coming up for Paris's wedding, Phil and Simon's rehearsal dinner, and then Phil and Simon's wedding. And it's her dressing herself without a stylist. It was like the first time that she was really going for it. And she had Scott come over to kind of provide emotional support, but also to cheer her up and make her laugh, as Scott does. And Scott says to her, I feel like you're going to get back to what your old sense of style was, like your old self. And Kim's like, yeah, but I don't know what that looks like. And Scott goes, I know what it looks like. Butt-ass tight Missoni dresses. (laughs) And giant hoop earrings. (laughs) I'm all for it. Those are the moments that I was talking about earlier, by the way, where I would just die to be able to have that keeping up footage because I so specifically envisioned Kim in those Masoni dresses in the earlier seasons. And that was an ideal time for like a 20 second highlight reel. We can't focus too much on the what we don't have here. Although I guess it kind of helps us to not glamorize the show too much. Yeah, <laughs> please. That ship has sailed. Like, who are you kidding? Like, I would love somebody to be like, what's different? And I like tell them how it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then they're like looking at me crazy. And I'm like, but they can't do the flashbacks. And they're like, oh, (laughs) we get it now. We understand. Right. That like makes us sound slightly more grounded. I think so. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. (music) 
If there is one thing that I love, it is a Scott Disick closet scene. And I'm much more familiar with him in Chloe's closet because I can picture him on that chaise lounge in her old closet in her old house all day. But I don't know. I haven't seen him that much in Kim's closet. So this was a new dynamic that I was welcoming with open arms. How about you? You know, if we were in charge of the flashback reels, in this moment, I would have flashed back to what I think is one of the best Scott and Chloe interactions of all time, which is Scott and Chloe's closet talking about whether or not Chloe should get her boobs done. Julie, obviously that was what I was saying in my mind. But when she's going over her stuff for Simon and Phil's wedding, which we'll get into the fashion of that in a second, and she's rehearsing one of the lines to Scott that she was going to give at the rehearsal dinner, and it was, I love a gay wedding. I haven't been to one since my second wedding. And obviously it lands and he laughs. Two things I want to say. The first is I did not realize this when she actually said it, but as I was watching it through the episode, I realized a thousand percent Pete was helping her for this. Like at the time I didn't put two and two together that this wasn't an SNL situation where she was hiring Michelle Wolf to help her with her monologue. She's just dating Pete Davidson. And she talked to him about how she's giving a speech at her best friend's wedding. And I'm sure he helped her with this line. That's the first thing. The second thing, I know we never say this. I got to tell you, it felt really fucking cool to hear that in real life. And then to watch her like have rehearsed it to Scott a week before. It was an out-of-body experience. I wish you just saw my face when you said that Pete thing because I had not put that together yet. Right? Am I wrong? No, you're so right. I just had such an aha moment of like, yes, because Scott says to Kim, oh my God, after SNL, you can do anything. And Kim kind of jokes. She's like, I know, but I really feel the pressure after that, which is like a funny thing to say about an intimate speech that you're giving at your best friend's rehearsal dinner. But keeping in mind that A, that clip went completely viral. So she was 100% right about that. And B, even in that exact moment that she said it, you and I turned to each other and we were like, that's SNL Kim. And it was like this air of understanding in the room of like Kim coming off the SNL high and then performing here. So she was 100,000% correct about that. And I had never put the peat of it together with it. I had not either until watching this episode because when we were standing there, like in the actual room, we knew that she was seeing him at that point. Remember, we were thinking, is, is he going to come to the wedding? But I, I don't know. I didn't even think about that. And now I'm just, I don't know. Watching the show is so interesting because that was hyper in my mind. And listen, technically I could be wrong, but that was the first thing I thought of. That was such a good call. <laughs> Thank you. We're so like deeply supportive of each other's takes. You know, like when you say something that really resonates with me, I'm like, yes, like that's my girl. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's like sick. <laughs> it brings me back. And I feel like we've definitely said this on the podcast before years ago, the first time Julia ever met my aunt. And now like <laughs> they're literally best friends, but my aunt was just observing us talking, me, Julia and Isabel. And like 30 minutes later, when we come, when we came up for air, she turned to us and she was like, the way you guys interact, it's as if every time you speak, <laughs> it was the best idea either of you have ever heard. <laughs> like, it's so true. I still think that's one of like the greatest compliments I've ever had of our friendship. <laughs> I know. Or my dad saying it was a ping pong match. <laughs> Your dad trying to understand us is like any adult sitting in the room with us or anybody who isn't, honestly, anybody who's anybody sitting in a room with us, it's like their head spins because we're clearly speaking our own language. It's just, it's too funny. Your dad literally goes back and forth trying to figure out what we're saying. And then we'll look at him and we'll be like, did you get any of that? And he's like, 
what? No, of course not. <laughs> Today he told me, he's like, I'm just telling you, Emmy, those thumbs, I was seeing the way you were talking to Julie. <laughs> he was like, forget about, he goes, forget about Coffle Tunnel. He goes, you're not going to have thumbs in 40 years. <laughs> I was like, well, what do you want? I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, he's like, when you voice text, that's what you got to do. I was like, I can't voice text everything. Like, do you see the amount of conversations I have with people throughout the day? It was so, like, he called me just to say that. <laughs> no, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, okay, so sorry, back to the episode. When (laughs) we have a counter, like on Watch What Happens. So when Scott is saying how in his confessional, you know, it's so crazy to me that Kim would ever think or feel insecure about her looks because she's maybe the most famous person in the world for being the most beautiful person in the world. And then he has this very human moment where he's like, but you know, it's kind of cool to know that everybody has their own insecurities. And then he says, but at the end of the day, nobody does it better than her. And I just loved that moment because it was an acknowledgement of her as a celebrity, which we don't typically get from the family members. It was an acknowledgement that he also views her in the light that we all do. And so he too was delighted to hear that she has her own things that she struggles with. Again, not that she, he wants her to struggle, but you know what I mean? And then lastly, it was like the acknowledgement that he respects her for the icon that she is. So just like hit all the points. Of all of the people in the family who talk about Kim's career almost as a fourth wall break. Scott for sure does it more than anyone else. But this very sincere moment of just respect and acknowledgement and the way that he views her so highly, that's what I love to get from Scott. Totally. And don't worry, we will get much more into Scott in a few minutes. We have all of those scenes put together. We kind of did it in a Scott section. But let's move on to the next thing in the outline, which is Courtney and Chris, and they're talking about the ring. Yes. Yes. Okay. Did we ever get clarification about this? I'm asking you and also anyone listening, because when she's explaining what happened with the ring, did you guys think it was as if she like broke the band or it was actual damage to the diamond? Because the way that she was discussing it, it sounds like it was damage to the stone. You know, like a break in the band just feels significantly less serious, quote, than damage to the actual stone. I thought it was damage to the actual stone based on her reaction and the fact that she specifically mentioned that, you know, Travis designed this ring and he went back and forth a million times and looked at a million different stones until he found the one that he felt like was so specific and was her in a stone. And so I felt like it had to have been that the stone was damaged, but then I was thinking more about it and I was like, logically, how would that have even happened? Yeah, I don't fully understand the logistics of it, but because it was Courtney, I felt like it was less about the materialistic aspect of the situation and more so like this symbol of love that Travis gave her and then she broke it. So I guess if you're using that argument, it doesn't really matter whether it was the stone or the band because we know the money's not an object here. It's more so just like in general, anything happened to the thing that Travis gave her, you know? I guess for my own curiosity, it's like I kind of do want to know if it was the stone or the band. Like the story that I made up in my head once she had said, that she was on the ladder and the ring was off on the floor and she had stepped down and stepped on it. Like in my head, I was like, okay, she was wearing a sharp heel and it just hit it at the right angle. But like also a diamond is the hardest material on earth. Like (laughs) can't just ignore the Mohs scale here. (laughs) Right. And also why would she be folding clothes in her closet wearing heels? That also just feels improbable. And also like Courtney is tiny. There's no way she just like stepped down and broke a diamond. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm thinking it's more the band, but 
talk about inconsequential questions that I'm just curious about. <laughs> if anybody has any thoughts, please let us know. But obviously the more significant part of this conversation is when Chris says to her, did I tell you about how he came over? And he said the reason that he moved to Calabasas was because he knew that she lived there and he knew that she was the love of his life. And he was like, even if I couldn't be with her, at least I could live near her, which <laughs> if I didn't know Chris well enough, I would think she was bullshitting here. I said this to you. You still think she's bullshitting? It's (laughs) not that I think Chris is bullshitting. I don't think she made that line up. It just, it has the exact same energy as when people lie about things their kids say on Twitter. Like, what do you mean you moved to Calabasas at the thought of Courtney maybe being your soulmate before you ever really knew her? Like, I'm sorry. I just can't wrap my mind around the logistics of that situation being real. I can understand if you said I moved to Calabasas and then realized that she was my soulmate and had to wait around for her. But there's no way you were house hunting and you were like, hmm, you know who lives in this neighborhood? My future soulmate. I'm just going to wait around for her and live here. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. Like, it is maybe if it's true, it is the sweetest, most romantic, unbelievable love story of our time. And I still feel that way about their relationship. But there's just no way. Well, also specifically you, that is the exact anecdote that I would use to illustrate the opposite of you. Like if somebody said to me, tell me a story that is exactly antithetical to everything of Julie's personality, it's that. Like that is just far too spiritual and woo-woo and out there for you to believe or comprehend or like subscribe to. So I, I just knew that was your reaction when she said it. But if true, absolutely adorable. And by the way, I do think that their connection was meant to be. So again, call me naive. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to believe this one. I I can believe that they're meant to be. I can believe in the soulmates. Like it's not the like spiritual aspect of it that I'm having a hard time with. It is just straight up logistics. Am I wrong? (laughs) No, I don't think there's a right or wrong. But if there was, (laughs) No, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I'm sure other people have that reaction as well. You know me. I get sucked into this shit real easily. And if you want to tell me that Travis Barker moved to Calabasas because he thinks that there was a world that he was going to potentially end up with Courtney because he knew deep in his soul that they were soulmates, I'm buying it. Like that, tell me that that is not the exact shit that I would buy. Of course it is. And I don't blame you. And I would love to be able to buy into it. Like I love a dream world where I can fully buy into that. But like, you move somewhere for the school system, not for like a Kardashian. You, I would move somewhere for a Kardashian, but not because we're soulmates. Just like, oh, I want my kids to go to school with your kids. I'll just send them to your <laughs> right. wherever I am. But like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no way. Like, also, like, wasn't he married at the time when he moved to Calabasas? Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't really know the whole timeline and that. And to be honest with you, I purposely didn't look it up to put it in the outline because... I just think that it's irrelevant. <laughs> I think that so I'd rather just believe this and leave it what it is. And also his kids are homeschooled, so. That's true. But anyway, the other part of this conversation is when they're broaching the Scott subject. And we'll get more into this later on because I would say that out of all the Scott conversations, this was maybe the least significant one. But this is when Chris basically says to her, you know, now that you're engaged, do you think it's time to have a conversation with Scott? And Courtney denies the need for this, which is slightly contradictory to the conversation with Chloe because I felt like at the end of that one, she realized that maybe it was important, more so for the sake of the kids. But I mean, I guess my one thing, which we'll get more into, is that for as close as this family is and as vulnerable and open as they are with one another and in constant communication, they have a very avoidant style, more avoidant than I maybe 
realized. That's the thought that I had throughout this episode. And it was something that I always knew about Courtney. Like that, the way Courtney is reacting to like, I don't think there needs to be a conversation. That does not surprise me in the slightest. It became very apparent watching this episode that the rest of the family struggles with that style of communication as well. Because, and I swear we'll get into this and I won't do the whole Scott thing now, but it's almost like it was both a communication issue and an understanding and comprehension issue. And it was like, Scott is very much saying one thing, and I'm not saying that he went about it in the most mature or emotionally evolved way, but he was saying one very clear thing and they all had their own interpretation of what it was and then lacked the communication to relay that back to him. It was so frustrating watching that, which you're right. Let's hold off on that for a few more scenes until we get into that. But to see, or at least from my perspective, to see what I viewed it to be so clear and then have it become so convoluted in the process, it just felt deeply unnecessary. And it wasn't even like I could say, oh, well, they're just doing it for the show. This clearly wasn't for the show. Chloe and her confessional sitting there talking about how awkward she felt wasn't for the show. She really did feel that way. And let's hold off, but like, yes, so much to say on that. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliayi was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, what we were just talking about in that conversation is actually closer than I realized because we're at the scene now where Scott is at lunch with Chris and we really get into this here, which I know this was intense for both of us. So you want to just like take a second, take a deep breath before we get into it. I am going to try my hardest to be calm throughout this. I, I I can do it, I swear. I guess what I want to start out by saying is that 
To me, I view Kris Jenner as somebody who tackles things head on. She is so confident in herself and I view her to be so confident in her communication abilities. And what I was so taken aback by in this scene is that she was really having a hard time communicating exactly how she felt and where the root of her decision-making was coming from. And I know that it was coming from the place of just not wanting to hurt anyone. But in the process of not wanting to hurt anyone, she was really only hurting people more because she was avoiding it so deeply. And there's so much here, but I have to tell you that that one line when they're talking about him coming over for her birthday dinner and she said, I feel like I'm cheating on Courtney. And he said, why? And she says, because I would love for you to come over. And he said, why would I not come over? You told me I was your blood related son when my parents died. And she said, I still feel the same way. And he said, you obviously don't. I had to pause that and rewind it, rewatch it one more time, because to me, that right there is the core of the issue that has been the issue for not the whole time. Like, don't get me wrong. There was a very long time when the core of the issue was that Scott could not stomach to be around Courtney because he was so deeply in love with her still and so opposed to the idea of knowing that she was with someone else. I'm not saying it doesn't still sting, but for the entirety of this episode, that was not what he was trying to communicate. And that was what everyone else was making it about. He was trying to say, you guys made a promise to me. I am an only child. I have no other family. And both of my parents died at a very young age. And you swore to me that no matter what, I would always be a part of your family. I've been cemented in this family for the last 12 or so years. And I know they are still trying to navigate it and I give them grace in doing so. But the way that they are going about it and being so avoided in doing so, I understand why he views that as not only a betrayal, but I also know why that deeply triggers his abandonment issues that he developed when his parents died. And I have to say, I don't relate to Scott in most ways. Like, I would say my empathy for him doesn't come from the fact that I relate to him. It just comes from knowing him for all of these seasons. Let me just say on a personal note, I have a very large extended family, but being an only child and losing my mom... I felt this. I, I felt it in a way that I'm not going to be able to express, but it was it was like his inner child was screaming and it wasn't being heard and it was really fucking painful to watch. Whatever your thoughts are, like no matter how deeply you may disagree with him, I I, I feel like, I don't know, it was hard for me to not see his side right here. I completely agree. And something that you and I were talking about that you said when we were talking about this specific moment is you were also saying the Kardashians are such a big family. Like there is never a time where there isn't another member of the family around. The siblings are plentiful to say the least. And so you said this, but it's impossible for them to understand and really relate to being an only child, let alone an only child who lost both their parents. And of course, it's not like they are immune to loss. They lost their father at a young age. And so being able to relate to losing a parent is obviously something that they all have inside of them. That's a connection that they all share. But none of them can understand what it's like to lose both parents. And then on top of that, to not have any other siblings around. And when Scott says to Chris, you said to me, I was your blood son when both my parents died. Like 
him saying that line isn't any sort of like a manipulation tactic. Like that was a promise that Chris took on and promised Scott. And that has been Scott's reality and safety for the past couple of years. And so when that's being ripped him, even if the family is still around, even if they still love him, any potential at all that that idea of him being a blood relative to them with no other family to hold on to, like that is of course something that you are going to have a very, very visceral reaction to. Of course he is going to be upset. Of course he's going to act out in a way. And I'm not saying that he handled all of this in the most mature way, but neither did they. I mean, they keep having these events and he has to find out after the fact, or he has to find out when he digs. And at no point does someone sit Scott down and say like, listen, this is a tough circumstance. We want Courtney to be comfortable. We've had conversations with her. We really need you guys to talk. But for right now, here's how we want to explain to you how it's going to be. And then maybe hopefully we can change, but nothing about our relationship changes. How is he supposed to know nothing's changing when his entire world is changing? That's what I'm saying to you. It wasn't even that I can't understand if they said, you know what, for this temporary period, just until we get our bearings, we need you to not be at these events. Even if that was like a, a set period of time when they all decided that, that was what needed to happen. I can even go as far as to say, I get that. I understand that I've never been in this particular situation. But the fact that they weren't communicating that to him, like even if you were in the camp that you think Scott is not at all deserving of being at any of these events, he at the very least is owed a conversation to clearly and transparently understand where everyone is coming from. And I know Chloe kind of did that, but I, I, that is what I was responding to the most. And honestly, just to go back to the loss element, because I somehow feel this is always glanced over. And by the way, I felt this was glanced over even when his parents initially died. And that I know that that's not me making it like an association thing because I felt that way. And I saw that scene way before my mom was ever even really sick. Like I, I felt that Watching those scenes, I, I felt like Courtney and everyone was kind of glancing over this massive loss that he went through. And I think here, just when you were saying the point that I forgot that I made earlier when you and I were walking is like, when they lost their father, which was one of the most devastating things to ever happen to them, they had each other to lean on. When he lost his parents, he had them. There's something about this that just feels like it's not translating. And I think the issue is that it's almost, I, I don't know how to say this right. And it's so frustrating to be on a podcast and know that like you say it and then it's it. I don't know if this is actually what I mean, but like, it was almost like they were using the fact that they knew he was still in love with Courtney as the scapegoat to actually acknowledging their shortcomings in their communication abilities. And I think that as the viewer, that's what I found to be so frustrating. And as somebody who respects them and their communication abilities on the most part, I would say pretty strongly, I was um, surprised and I, I don't want to use the word disappointed because like that feels fucking weird to be disappointed in them for this, but I almost felt like disappointed on his behalf. The way that I felt was like they were all harping and I've said this every single episode and I can't get over it because like I am sure obviously they have had insight into the Scott and Courtney of it all that we have just never been privy to. Like that has just never been on film. They've been on this journey for years. And so them knowing that Scott is still in love with Courtney, that's just a given for them. Okay. And they just can't look past that. And that may still very well be true. But the thing to me is like, if, even if you think that, like, let's just say actually 100%, you are so sure that Scott is in love with Courtney. If he is as in love with her as you think he is, and he is sitting there begging you, 
I don't care that Courtney and Travis are going to be lovey-dovey at these events. I don't care that they're going to be making out. I just want my family. I don't care if I have to see them. Doesn't that speak even more volume to you? Like the fact that he is willing to put up with that while being actively in love with her just for the sake of having family, doesn't that make you want to be like, oh shit, he is really, really hurting at the potential loss of this family that he is willing to ignore the thing that may be the most painful thing in the entire world for him. To me, that's how I felt, yes. And the other thing is that you see when, I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but because I know we had decided that like we were going to end with Chris's birthday dinner and I still think that we should do that. But when Courtney's in her confessional, that scene, and she says, us being all together isn't a bad thing. I actually think it's the start of a good thing. To me, that was the moment where I was like, okay, Courtney may be leading the charge of not wanting to have a conversation. Like if we talk about avoidant, absolutely she's president of that club, but she's not the one that is the most staunchly opposed to him being in the same room. Maybe she was for a little while, but it didn't seem like he or she was. When Chris talks to her about the birthday, you know, just in other moments, it felt like everyone else like I said, was almost using that as a scapegoat. Meanwhile, it was their discomfort that they were prioritizing. And I just think it's wrong. Like, I don't care. I, hold on. If that is not how you feel and you have a very strong opinion in the other side, I respect it. Absolutely. I'm not saying we all have to view this the same, but I feel comfortable giving my stance this strongly because I feel like I've I don't know, understood the situation as well as one could for not being in the family, just from the viewer perspective. And this is really how I feel. No, I mean, that's how I feel too. And then I felt so frustrated on his behalf that everyone was saying to him like, or saying in their confessionals, like Scott has a lot of maturing to do. Scott's handling this really immaturely. Like maybe he was, but like you said, like his inner child was literally jumping out and begging to not be abandoned. Like, of course there's going to lack some maturity there. Like I don't understand a situation in which you can, have all of these events, let him find out after the fact or force him to be the one to dig into it, to beg for an invite and then be like, wow, Scott's maturity is really lacking. Like he really just like can't get over not being at these. Of course he can't get over not being at these events. These are events that he has been to every single year of his life. He didn't change. Of course, Scott was not perfect. No one is trying to rewrite history here and say that he didn't do anything wrong. It's just, we've had a big gap of time where that didn't seem to be an issue in terms of his place in the family. Maybe it was an issue in terms of his relationship with Courtney and why they never got back together. Totally, I think we can all accept that. But that didn't seem to be an issue in terms of him getting invited to events now. So of course it's going to be confusing for him when he's like, I haven't done anything different. It's Courtney that went out and found the love of her life and somehow I'm being punished for that. Right, exactly. And hold on. And I know we were going to wait to discuss the scene until the very end, but I think it makes sense to talk about it now based on the way this episode is going. The scene when they are at Chris's house and it's him, Kendall, and Chris, this was an example where I was like, okay, now you lost me. Like, I understand where you are coming from and I will absolutely respect and defend the root of your argument, but you handle this terribly. First of all, don't talk to Kendall in that way. I understand you were just lashing out. Second of all, she has had your back more than anyone. And I know that you don't really fully know that, but we just watched the proposal where she sat in the back room and actually was highly inappropriate mentioning it right after Courtney and Travis were engaged. And I, I understand he was just taking out all of his frustrations in this moment, but this was an example where it's like, if you're really trying to get them to understand, the attack in this way is not going to be productive. And I get it. Like people lose their shit, but this was the time where I was like, okay, 
This is the maturity argument that people were talking about. This was on much more display, in my opinion, than in his diner conversation with Chris. Totally. Like, the way that he spoke to Kendall was not okay. He lost me in terms of that because it was like, you can make your argument and you can get across what you want to say without losing your temper in such a way. Although I do understand where his frustration was coming from was because he felt so lied to continuously. Like he was so angry and so yelling that he didn't hear the part where Kendall was acknowledging him and apologizing. And that's why he was so wrong. But when he says, and this was Kendall being really mature actually, which is why I think I was so upset because I agree. Like Kendall went to bat for him. Like, Kendall's been going to bat for him. And then to have a birthday dinner and not invite him felt contradictory. So, like, I completely get that. And I completely get why Scott would be so thrown off by that. Scott says, after asking a bunch of times, but you did have a birthday dinner. Like, you did have a party. And Kendall is finally like, yes, I did. But the exact same time, Chris is saying, no, she didn't. She had a party. She didn't have a dinner. And and Kendall's like, mom, you were there. I had a dinner. Like, you were at it. She's like, Scott is right. I had a dinner. And so that part of Kendall's maturity of being like, you know what, Scott? I'm owning my shit. You were right. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But Scott had already gotten to the point where he was so mad that he couldn't see it. And it was clearly, again, such a communication issue. But Scott handled it in just the worst possible way. Right. And if I'm Kendall, I'm really pissed because, like we said, she's been going to bat for him behind the scenes. And Also, he was taking out so much of his frustration with the general concept of this whole thing out on her for these specific instances. And then on top of that, he was like unintentionally gaslighting her because he had blocked out what she just so clearly said. Not to mention Chris being there just made it worse because her failure to remember things made it feel more manipulative than it meant to be. It was like an honest lack of remembering, but it kind of like lessened Kendall's argument. The whole thing was fucked up and I was on Kendall's side in this one. Let me be very, very clear about that. God, it's like, as I'm going through this and we haven't even gotten to the actual birthday dinner yet, I'm like, this is such a good fucking episode. This had everything. I am sitting here, Julie, I swear to you, I'm even though my back is in excruciating pain, as I'm sure yours is as well, I am so happy to be doing this. Like, this is my happiest place in the entire world to be sitting here talking about this with you. I mean, I cannot, you're the only person that could possibly understand it, so I can't say I can't explain it, but like, <laughs> It's, I mean, I am dripping sweat and my back is killing me, but like I, I refuse to move a muscle. Yeah, same. Also, I, we just have to acknowledge the cucumber thing because it's like a meme everywhere and Kendall actually responded to it on Twitter. <laughs> it's just so funny because she literally looks directly at the camera, breaks the fourth wall to beg and plead with them to not zoom in on her cutting it because she knows how terrible she is. And then not only do they not listen, it goes viral in like the exact way she didn't want it to, which was kind of a Streisand effect. Kendall cutting a cucumber is the single greatest thing that's ever happened to Hilaria Baldwin. (laughs) True. (laughs) Handshake emoji, Hilaria, Kendall, extreme unwarranted cucumber confusion. No. We got to put the link in the description for like the 12 people that are going to DM us being like, what are you talking about? No. You know what? If you don't know, you don't get to know. That's how I feel. That's so funny. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, 
I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Okay, so now we're getting into everything with Chris's birthday. And before the actual dinner, just one moment about when they're at the promo shoot and she's broaching the subject with Courtney about inviting Scott to the dinner after she had this lunch with him. And Courtney says to her directly, whatever you want for your birthday, I want it to be like the way you envisioned your birthday. And I guess to me, I just liked hearing Courtney say that because one, I don't think that's what she would have said two years ago. And second of all, It's not even like I was happy for Scott's sake or for Chris's sake. I was happy for Courtney's sake because in order for her to say that line, that means that she has to be so deeply comfortable and happy and secure in her whole situation that it's like, genuinely, if this makes you happy, it's not going to take away from me. I was happy for her to say that too, especially because she put it back on Chris. Like it was the clear acknowledgement that this was about Chris. And if this is what Chris wanted, then like this is her birthday dinner and so be it. Because something that Courtney said in the beginning of the episode, which I actually did agree with to a certain extent, was her saying, like, I have this new life with Travis. I want to make new memories with him. And I don't need Scott to be 
at the forefront of those memories. And that was a point that I could completely understand. And so for Courtney to be able to see this event as Chris's event and not a new memory with Travis, even though the two obviously would overlap, was a lot of maturity, I think, on on Courtney's part. I also have to just say, which we'll get into in one second, Kardashian Social just posted the videos from that night. And we had seen this on Instagram story, which I completely forgot, where Courtney's sitting down in the green dress on on uh, Travis's lap. I'm going to post this. I'm going to put this link in the description when he's in the blue. And remember, Cece and or Faye and Chris are standing up doing karaoke, and we saw the videos that night where he's like, cannot stop touching her, and that was when we were still like getting used to their PDA. This that was the night and, that was filmed. I right. And we knew that Scott was there. I forget how, but we had seen him or heard him in the background. And I did not realize at all at the time. I don't even think I realized until I was watching this episode that that was the first time the three of them were at an event together like that. Wait, and you guys remember? Do you know what I'm going to say, Julie? Do do you guys fucking remember the tailspin that the internet went into when they thought for a solid hour that the back of Ellen's head was Pete? That was one of my favorite pop culture moments. I really feel that way. Right, but now we're, wait, this feels so full circle. Fuck, I love this show because now we're getting the behind the scenes of that Instagram story that we were all like collectively losing it over. I remember being like, no, there's no way. I don't think it's Pete. I don't think, I remember going absolutely crazy thinking that he was already getting the invite to Chris's birthday dinner, the small intimate dinner at Chris's house and Pete was going to be there. I remember. And it's funny that looking at it now where it's like, oh, that easily could have been the case. A month later, that easily could have been the case. Not even, yeah, a a month later, probably, but even to know that, okay, he wasn't there, but he was the topic of conversation between Portia, Ellen, Scott, and Kim. Please. Can we talk about that? Please. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the one thing, though, that I do want to mention is in Courtney's confessional before the dinner when she says, I know Travis is a really authentic person and just wants to feel like he can be affectionate with me. I just want to protect our energy. I think that's the only thing. Which, like, let's simplify that for a second. She's basically saying she doesn't want Scott's presence to take away from the PDA they would show naturally. (laughs) Which, like, hilarious. (laughs) I have so much to say about that, but let's get into that later when we get to that specific scene. Yeah. I mean, we're at Chris's house now, estimated $20 million. As you guys know, she built it from the ground up on the property directly next to Chloe. They removed the property line. Like, this is it. And as Chloe says in her confessional, living in Chris Jenner world is just fabulousness. Like being surrounded by opulence and dirty martinis in a crystal glass covered in diamonds and always made up and in these gowns and candlelight and dinner china and fabulous shit everywhere. And I felt it. And I have to tell you, Sometimes at these dinners that they have, even when they are in these really beautiful settings, I wouldn't describe the ambiance as homey necessarily. And there was something about this dinner that felt very homey. And I do think that that's, of course, a nod to like the warmth that was felt in the room because they're also happy to celebrate Chris. But it was also, honestly, I think a compliment to her interior designer for like the vibe that they created. I really loved listening to Chloe talk about Chris because- to go back to that conversation that we have often about how there's so many things in life that they're jaded to for them to not be jaded to their mom is like one of the greatest gifts that they could ever give her. 
Absolutely. And I know that as like fans and viewers of the show, we feel that way. But to me, take away Chris or the Kardashians or any of it. I think to not be jaded to your parents in general is such a beautiful thing, you know, like to have a real appreciation for the people that they are. And I know that in this circumstance, she was of course talking about her as a person, but also like her as a fucking icon and just all of the things that come with her. I totally get it. It was like tenfold, but I just think in general, there's something to be said for like never losing that appreciation for the things about your parents that are so normal to you, but are still so special. And like, not only never forgetting them, but also never forgetting to remind them. Like, you know, that's like a hill that I will die on forever. Forever. I say to my dad every single day, I literally cannot believe that I am your kid. Like, I think you are the most special person I've ever met. And there's just something really cool about, you know, voicing that to your parents. Absolutely. Okay. So they're all there. We see it's like really small. I mean, you had the core players. You have Ellen and Portia and Faye Resnick, I think, are the only, quote, outsiders, right? Right. And Rob was there, as everybody uh, pointed out and sent us DMs, which I was so happy to see. Yes. For anybody who didn't catch this, Rob was sitting in the seat directly next to Chris. So he was in between Chris and Chloe. And you got a glimpse of him for one second just with his like tattoo in the side of his face. So if you missed that, go back and watch it because he was definitely there. But we were talking about this last week of like, is he just not at these events or is he not filmed? And this is an example where he was there and he was not filmed. They somehow managed to do it. So maybe he was at Courtney's engagement and just not filmed. It's possible. It just felt like we got a full shot of the table and he wasn't there. But then again, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah. Anyway, so Scott walks in and... I could not believe we were getting this. And you could tell this was really the first time. Like it wasn't the first time that he had seen Courtney since she was engaged, but it was the first time he was in the room with both of them. And you felt that. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it was the editing job, but I was just like squirming watching it happen. Like it was just so uncomfortable. But then he walks up to Courtney and Travis and he gives Travis a hug and says, congratulations. He congratulates Courtney again. And Courtney says, I've seen you since. He's like, I know, but I haven't seen you together. Like he handled it absolutely perfectly. And so did they. Like, let's give credit on both sides. Everybody handled it very well, as they should. Right. It was everybody else in the room that was like, couldn't get over it. Right. It was like, get your shit together. If the three core players are totally fine, then like, what is everyone else worrying about here? Also, like, I kind of feel like, talk about them being jaded. I feel like we're being jaded right now. Like, you realize what we just got on camera? We just got the first interaction of Scott seeing Courtney and Travis together in the same room after their engagement, and he's surrounded by the rest of the family. Like, Julie, we have been talking about this moment since the second they got engaged and we were on the street. Like, you remember that day that we were formatting the comment, like, holy fuck, we actually just got it. Can I ask you a question? Like, when they say that this was the first event that they were all at together, like, does this mean all of them together or just since the engagement happened? I don't know. I thought it meant since the engagement happened. In my mind, it was like the first time that they had actually had an event like this where they were together. It's very, very possible. There's honestly probably something online and we're maybe missing of like a time they were factually there together or proof that this was factually the first time. I don't know. Either way, it was significant. Like whether or not they had been in each other's company a few times, this still was a very, very big deal. Like in all of their eyes. And then as if that's not big enough, 
we move on to the pee conversation. When they start talking about this and Scott was like, yeah, I FaceTimed you. And Kim's like, yeah, I was probably busy. No. Absolutely fuck me up. I'm sorry. (laughs) When Scott says it's Scott, Ellen, and Kim. And by the way, like Ellen is a pot stirrer. I'll tell you that much. The one thing I picked up on this episode, Ellen loves to stir the pot on and off the show. But anyways, they're standing there, the three of them. And Scott says, I got to say, every comment I've seen online is about how this guy is the nicest fucking guy. And Kim says, like, truly the nicest, sweetest, best guy. And Ellen's like, yeah, I've heard that. And Scott says, but you're just having fun, right? And Kim goes, we'll talk after. I thought I flatlined. This is the acknowledgement. Like, Scott saying that was all of us. Talk about feeling seen. That was what we were all saying. Like, wait, they're just fucking around, right? And then it was like, wait, he's in Palm Springs with the entire family wearing Skims pajamas? Like, Scott was going through that exact process in real time that we were going through as we were seeing it unfold on social media. And Kim was also. Like, Kim was very aware that everyone around her, herself included, thought that this was going to be a fun fling. And she was like actively realizing that her feelings were developing because she didn't realize the connection that they were going to form. And also, I don't think she realized how much she was going to, I don't want to say the word fall in love. I'm not saying that she fell in love with him, but to fall in love with his kindness. Like you can see that just, that's what she wanted and needed because there's a lot of wonderful qualities about Kanye, but saying he's the kindest, sweetest human being she's ever met is just not one of them because he's just factually not. And I feel like that's what she needed. And that's the exact type of energy and aura that she was gravitating towards, especially coming off of the Kanye stuff. I'm sorry. I'm like in disbelief. I cannot believe we got that. And even as you're talking about like, well, that's what we all thought in terms of they were just having fun. Yeah, that is 100% what we all thought. But we never had that confirmation in the beginning that that is what Kim thought or that's what the family thought. So for Scott to say that, it was like, we're really all on the same page here about the way that this relationship has progressed. It is the greatest thing ever. Like this one line was, I mean, the whole episode was fucking incredible, but this one line and this one scene was the best of the best. Chris's birthday dinner could have been its own episode. So many little moments, so many little dynamics. I mean, when they all go to sit down and it pans to Courtney and Travis and they're just like full-blown making out. And she wasn't lying when she said, I didn't know that everyone else was looking at them. I really believe that she did not realize that everyone else was looking at them because I do believe that they like transport to their own little world when they're together. But you can see everyone else is so hyper aware of how awkward it may be for Scott. And that's the normal reaction. I get it. But like Scott was, there was, if there was one thing Scott was going to do, it was not make a scene because he was going to show that I can be on my best behavior and I can be in their presence, even in the height of their PDA. And I'm not going to be rattled by it because it's more important for me to be here for these events than for me to feel uncomfortable in their presence. And like, I, I almost feel like I'm glad that it happened because it, it was their worst nightmare coming to fruition. And they showed like it can happen and everything's going to be okay. Right. It was like, Scott's able to handle it. Courtney and Travis, you're able to be yourselves without having to 
worry about your energy being interrupted or disrupted or however you worded it. Like everything was fine. Can we all just go back to normal now? Like that's how I feel. That's what I wanted to say. Like I wanted to like literally shake them and scream at them and be like, the worst fear of what you thought has now happened and it still ended up being totally completely fine. So like, are we good now or what? Right. It's like we're at Kris Jenner's birthday dinner in her new gorgeous home. There's 15 people there tops and 20 feet away from Scott, Courtney and Travis are intimately making out and like nothing happened and we all survived. So yeah, it was, it was, it was their worst fear coming to fruition and everything was okay. And like, you know what, to be, to be honest with you, forget about Scott. Like, let's pretend that Scott wasn't even here for this. Let's pretend Scott didn't exist. If this makes Courtney and Travis happy and nobody else is bothered by it, like good for them. Who am I to judge? I still think it's kind of bizarre. Like I, I don't know. I'm like the least prude person when it comes to PDA. I've done my fair share of making out on the streets. I've, you know, done some shit. And I just, (laughs) I just still think it's like kind of a lot, but like, I don't want to be a hater. I just like think it's kind of bizarre. Do you not? Of course I do. And I'm the same way as you with the PDA. Like that doesn't bother me in the slightest. I actually like love it and lean into it a lot. But like not at my mom's intimate birthday dinner with all of her friends. Like I don't know. It just, again, it's Scott aside. Like, yeah, of course there's that element there of like, you couldn't have just not. But like, again, if you feel like it is so much more important to you that you have your energy and your normal interactions than it is that Scott's comfortable, I can't argue with you. But uh, remove Scott. It's like, still? Like, you, you can't just wait till you get home. I know. And it's like, every time I think about this, the other factor in my mind is like, but she's so happy. And it's like, this is making her so happy. And she's such a more fun person to be around when she's like this and like, it's not hurting anyone else. Let her do it. So do it. I mean, what the fuck does it bother us? I just, I I guess I, I guess it's just important to like bring ourselves back to reality and be like, this, this isn't normal. Like, let's not pretend that this is normal necessarily. No, for sure. Also, like, it's so interesting watching them interact. Like even forget about the making out, forget about the PDA. Like the way that every single decision is made together, like Courtney's like, do you want red wine or sake? And he's like, whatever my baby wants. It's like, you're not, you're both individually drinking it. You got your own taste buds. Just decide which one you individually want for yourself. Well, this was so funny because remember a few episodes ago, I think it was maybe the first episode when Chris was explaining how they are about ordering dessert. And it's like, what do you want? Right. Hey, what do you want? And Chris and Chris is like, just fucking order both. Like that was what she was saying in practice. We got to really witness it. I don't know. It's just not a dynamic that I guess I could say I've ever maybe experienced, but <laughs> it works for them. So, hey, more power to you. I Absolutely. I guess it's that it's not one that I've ever experienced and I can't say watching it that I entirely desire, but I'm so fucking happy for Courtney that like that overrides everything else. Totally. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just, I'm just thrilled for her. And I think it's a little bizarre, but you know what? They are, their souls are intertwined and he moved to Calabasas for a reason. So (laughs) also (laughs) that narrator, that did not happen. Um, Thank you. Wait, the other thing I want to say is when Scott says in his confessional, she found someone and I'm happy for her. She's got a man that loves her and she deserves it because there were so many years I didn't put her first. He's he's rational, folks. Like he is saying what is the fact. So 
thank God he's not like shitting on it. If he was sitting there in his confessional shitting on their relationship and like he wasn't super regretful after he sent that DM to Eunice, this would be a really, really different conversation. Absolutely, yes. Okay, the two final scenes here that we kind of put at the end because they seem to be the least relevant, but we obviously still wanted to mention them because <laughs> fucking obviously. When Kendall's in Miami and she's like, yeah, I'm just here with my friend Haley. It's like, don't pull that shit this is not just your friend Haley. Like I know to you, it's your friend Haley, but just say Haley. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. (laughs) (laughs) When Haley popped on my screen, I sent a picture of her. her, Like I think I was the first one of the three of us to watch. So I took a picture of her on the show and sent it in the group (laughs) chat. I was like, I am seriously going to cry. I'm so emotional seeing Haley on my screen right now. My two favorite things combined. Right, and then on top of it, Dave Grubbin pops out. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No. Is it my birthday? And did you see on the subtitles for Hulu that it said person three? And I was like, don't you dare disrespect Dave Grubbin like that. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then lastly, just Chloe at lunch with Malika when they're briefly talking about Tristan. Nothing super exciting here, but again, in this current moment, they're on good terms and like, She's really upset about his tongue being severed, but I think in a few weeks from now, she'd be thrilled about his tongue being severed, quite frankly. Yeah, I'll fucking sever that thing myself. And I have to say <laughs> what was interesting about this, one like very minor part is, according to last episode, they're back together. So presumably in this episode, they are still together. It was very interesting that the way that Malika worded it was, how's Tristan, your daughter's father? Not like, how's your boyfriend? Or like, how's you and Tristan? Yeah, it was an intentional choice of words. I just don't fully know the intention yet because like, I mean, according to last week, they were together. I don't know. Everyone could sense it. Although fuck, in that preview when she's saying to Tristan, like, Scott's here forever. Connie's here forever. I guess you're here forever. And he's like, well, you're with me forever. I'm like, no, she's fucking not. No, she's not. But that's what he thinks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is, I think, what his thought was. But why wouldn't he? In, like in his defense, why wouldn't he? That is exactly what he has been able to do this many times over and over. And it's not like I support it or defend it at all. But if I'm him and I'm this like pretty narcissistic asshole and I'm able to get away with terrible behavior over and over again and then I'm being almost rewarded for it, that's, that is what my thought process is going to be. So that's why I'm so happy that it seems that Chloe finally put her foot down. Did you feel weird about Chris... Instagram storying flowers from him on Mother's Day saying, love you at Tristan Thompson? No, I absolutely no part of me is ever rocked by that because I think with Chris, it's like father of my grandchildren and that's it. I think she could have said, thank you, Tristan. I don't think she needed to include the love you, but I won't be nitpicky. I don't think it's weird that she storied it, but I don't think that we need to be showing him an abundance of affection. No, but I'm just saying, if you're asking me if I was surprised by it, I wasn't at all. Not surprised. I didn't mean surprised. I meant like, were you, like, did you take issue at all with that in your own personal belief? Uh, No, honestly, not really. Because you know something, an Instagram story, like, I don't know. It it didn't do it for me. Understandable. But I know that a lot of people did. I mean, we had so many people send it to us and be like, why, Chris? It's like, this woman rides or dies for Chloe, and I don't think that Chloe's upset that he's she's storing Tristan's flowers, so why should I be? No, I, it wasn't even about Chloe in my mind. It was just like, why are we giving this to him? I know. 
Also, just in regards to that, Pete's were nicer. So I think I took comfort in that. Yes, totally. What else are we miss- – I mean, I know we miss shit. Like, there's just no way to not. This is such a long outline, but we had to have missed shit. But let's see how long we're recording for. Okay. This file is currently an hour and 57 minutes. We'll see what it ends up being. Anything else that you want to say? fucking amazing episode. I cannot wait for next week. Like, to know that every single week you are going to log on to Hulu – and have each episode be better than the last. What a fucking gift. Oh my God, I am so goddamn grateful. And then we get to come on I'm here and do this? No, I'm sorry. No. It's a dream. It's a dream. Wait, the one other thing that I wanted to mention that I know I said I was going to say on Monday's episode, which I will also because I know some people listen to that that don't listen to this, but it's a scheduling note. Because I know people like crave consistency and I obviously want to give that, but Beverly Hills is now airing on Wednesday nights. And as of right now, we don't have the screeners. So we can't even watch the episode until Wednesday night, which means that the Bravo episode can't go up until Thursday. And we can't watch Kardashians until, and it comes out midnight on Thursday morning. So we watched it at 7.30 in the morning. So previously we were waking up at 7.30, watching the episode, doing the outline and trying our hardest to get it up by six. But we can't release two podcasts in one day. Like we're not allowed to ad wise. So for this, I think for next week, unless we somehow get the Beverly Hills screeners, it'll be the Bravo episode being released on Thursday and then the Kardashians episode being released Friday morning. We're trying really hard to do like Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Um, But I just, trust me, I want it to be on Thursday as well, but it's so hard when we don't have the screeners because we record the episode and then we listen to it probably like three or four times before it goes out. So I, I'm sorry. I, I wish we could give more consistency when we were back in the studio. It was so different, but in the pandemic, we got in the process. I'm just being like really honest of listening back to the episodes before they go out. And it's not something we're willing to give up just to get it up sooner. So yeah, I don't know. It's coming out. Hopefully this will be out. What do you think? By like, what's my internal goal? Let's say if we, it's fine if we get it wrong. My internal goal is that we'll get this out Friday at one. What do you think? I was going to say 1231. Yeah. I think okay. doable, maybe- but I mean- it's also a long episode, but I think that we can make it happen. And we're going to try so, so hard to. Yeah. It's not for a lack of effort. I swear to you. I mean, it's like, it's just a lot, you know, we want to make sure that we hit all the points and get it in and like make it an enjoyable listening experience. But holy fuck, I love this. I'm so grateful that we get to do this. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Also, my favorite thing in the world, not only when people DM, but also like if you listen and you story it, we love to repost those. Obviously it's like, good fun promotion but it's also just fun to see that people are like in their cars or in their bath or whatever they're doing listening so um, we always appreciate when you do that and yeah thank you we love you guys so much see you next week so i'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life like generally speaking there's pretty much nothing i wouldn't rather be told straight up But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. 
which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.